The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. How are you guys doing? We're going to say a quick prayer and then we're going to jump into the message. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we lift this time up to you. Lord, as we look at simple questions that uh, really uh, get at deep truths, Lord, as we learn from our children, uh, Lord, I pray that we come to understand you a little bit more, a little bit uh, better to understand who Jesus is uh, and how our lives change because of that. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So growing up, one of my favorite TV shows was Hercules, The Legendary Journey. You guys remember that with Kevin Sorbo, right? And honestly, I kind of feel like I'm in Hercules right now with their VBS decorations, right? We've got banners and castles and forts. I'm like, yeah, this is kind of cool, right? But I used to love watching Hercules, and I was trying to figure out what, what got me so excited about it. And there were swords, and there were shields, and there were adventures, and there were horribly digitalized monsters. I actually watched the opening scene on YouTube, and I literally just grimaced, like watching like the Hydra come out, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my, my DS has better graphics than that thing does, right? And yet there was something fun, there was something adventurous about these mythical tales, right? And in these mythical tales, you have Hercules, who is the half-son of Zeus, and he's constantly fighting his uncles and aunts, which are all gods, they're all deities. And so he's fighting Ares or Aphrodite's trying to get him to do something specific, right? And in this, we see these very human gods that most of the time are pretty petty, right? But we at least get to see them. And we get to see them use their powers, right? And so they go around smiting mortals just because they want to. And in watching that show, there was something that I was able to relate to, right? Because even if I didn't believe in these specific gods, I could at least be like, well, that might be what God looks like. And I remember growing up, I could always have these different ideas of what would the Father look like, right? You've got um, Michelangelo's painting, right, where you see God and he looks like this just Zeus, right, muscular and huge with wavy white hair. Then Bruce Almighty came out and Morgan Friedman, and I'm like, oh, maybe that's what God looks like, right? And you just go through all these different ideas of what is this? What does the Father look like? And it's really a simple question, right? In fact, I was uh, listening to some of our kids, and this is one of the questions they ask. What does God look like? And what's interesting is the original disciples actually asked the exact same question to Jesus. Uh, early on, or later on in Jesus' ministry, Thomas said to him, this is Jesus' Lord, we do, don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really love me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip then said, but Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after all, I've been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? 
The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe in the evidence of the works themselves. It's that question Philip asks. But can't can I just see God? Because if I could just see God, right, then my faith would be real. If I could just see God, then we'd really believe. Then everything would be okay. We'd have a stronger foundation to stand on. And so I think all of us in some ways can relate to Philip's question, but, but can't I just, just, just see him? Because then my faith would be really real. Right? Not, not just real, but that deeper level of depth, that deeper level of truth. And what's interesting is when you go through the Old Testament, Philip's question actually makes a lot of sense because again and again and again, God shows up. God actually shows himself. He just shows himself in different forms. It starts off in Exodus 13. This is after God has led his people out of Egypt. After he's called them out and says, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to redeem you. You will no longer be slaves. And he's leading them out. And this is how he does it. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road to the Philistine country, though it was shorter. For God said, if they faced war, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the sea by a desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went out of Egypt ready for battle by day. The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So in this, God shows up and he actually leads his people. There is a physical representation of God going ahead of them, showing them where they're supposed to go. Wouldn't that be nice sometimes? Wouldn't that be awesome to be like, you know what, God, I don't know if I should take this job or this job. And a giant flaming pillar was like, this way. All right, good to know, all right? There, there is something that would give us a level of certainty there. All right, I'm following the big fire thing. Totally makes sense, right? And then going on, it moves from the pillar to uh, they build the tabernacle. God had brought in all the master craftsmen, the carpenters, the, musician, the musicians, and they built this beautiful structure that God said, I'm now going to dwell here. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from the above, above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day. The fire was in the cloud by night and all the sight of the Israelites during all of their travels. Again, right? So it's a bit of a transition. Now it's not just this cloud that's going ahead of people, but God says, this is the place where I will dwell. And the tabernacle could move. And so literally when God wanted them to move, the cloud would move. And they'd be like, all right, now we're going to go here. Now we're going to live here. Again, there was something comforting that the Israelites knew, this is where God is at, and as long as we're near this cloud, we're going to be okay. And again, there's something comforting about that. Certainly, there are times in my life where it was like, all right, God, for sure you're in my house, and I know you're in my house because, again, big pillar of fire, easy to spot, hard to forget, right? 
The people move on, and eventually God gives them the land of Israel. He gives them the land that he had promised them, and he says, now we're going to move from a tabernacle to a temple. Now we're going to move from a building that was designed to move like a tent, right? Tents you can pick up and move, and he goes, now you're going to build me a standing space. And this is actually where we start to understand what God looks like. So the answer to, we'll say, the simpler question we find in uh, 1 Kings when Solomon is dedicating the temple of, to God. And he's telling the people what's about to happen. And what's interesting is he starts off by saying, guys, don't think of God as so small. But will God really dwell on earth, Solomon asks. The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Yet give your attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy, Lord my God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open towards this temple night and day, the place of which you have said, my name shall be there, so that you will hear the prayer of your servant pray toward this place. Hear the supplication of your servants and your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. So we finally build him his home, his house. The standing structure in Israel. And Solomon looks and he goes, guys, God can't fit in here. God is bigger than the heavens. I was trying to figure out how would I explain the relation to that. And in the same way that I'm not sure I could explain Mozart to a sheep, right? Sheep walks up, and I'm trying to explain what Mozart is and what he created and the music that he was able to paint, right? Or Shakespeare or the Avengers, right? Like, I can't connect those things, right? You can't build a sheep and say, this is something greater than what your experience knows, what your mind can handle. That's what God is to us. And yet what we find in Scripture is still a gracious shepherd who even though his sheep can't fully comprehend him, the shepherd finds a way to do life with his sheep. The shepherd finds a way to provide for his sheep. God says we're his children, and so our Father finds a way to connect with us. And so when Philip asks Jesus, can you just show us the Father? They understand they're not going to be able to see the full glory and might of God. But they also have this history where, God, you used to do it this way. In fact, he did it that way until his people rebelled. So we build the temple of God in 1 Kings. And by 2 Kings, one book later, the temple is destroyed. On the seventh day of the fifth month, in the 19th year of Nebuchadnezzar, King of Babylon, that's not Nebuchadnezzar, that's Nebuchadnezzar, uh, commander of the imperial guard, an official of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He set fire to the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every important building he burned down. The whole of the Babylon army, under the command of the imperial guard, broke down the walls of Jerusalem. The commander of the guard carried and exiled the people who remained in the city, along with the rest of the populace and all those who had deserted to the king of Babylon. You see, for 500 years, God had dwelled with his people. First by the pillar, then by the tent, then in the temple. 
And then the temple gets destroyed. And God's not here anymore. The pillar of smoke, the holy of holies, it's gone. And though they try to rebuild the temple, again and again and again, God's presence doesn't show back up. So Ezra rebuilds the temple, but God's not there. King Herod rebuilds the temple, but God's not there. And so when Philip is asking, can you show us the Father? What Philip's deeper question is, is God used to walk with us this way. We will believe you if you can show us God walking this way. We can have faith in you if you can show us God walking this way. And again, that question, I think all of us can connect with. Because when life hits us hard, whether it's with work, whether it's with family, whether it's disease or our house or a thousand other ways, and we are left in the dark, when we're left with more questions than answers, Philip's prayer, can you please show us the Father? Can you show me where God is in this situation? And then I can believe. And Jesus' response to Philip is, but if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen my works, you've seen my love. But again, that almost seems a little bit hollow, right? Like, God, I just want to see you. Then my faith will be real. And here's the answer to that really deep question. See, guys, faith isn't inside you. Faith isn't personal to you. You see, we get in our head that real faith is something inside of me. It comes out of my own works, out of my own strength, out of my own spiritual... And what we see in Scripture is, no, faith is outside of you, and it's something that we cling to. It's something that we believe in even when we don't feel it. Even when our emotional state doesn't connect to what we believe, we still cling to faith. Even when we intellectually have questions and challenges, we still hold to faith. And we say, God, I'm, this is bigger than me, this is stronger than me, the world is bearing down on me, but I am going to hold to you. I am going to hold to who you said you are. I am going to hold to your promises. I am going to cling to something stronger than me. And in clinging to something stronger than him, something rather magical happens. We eventually get to see what we believe. There's a quote from Tim Keller. Faith is believing something you cannot see. The reward of faith is eventually seeing what you believe. Think about that for a second. Faith is believing in something, holding to something, clinging to something that is outside of you. And the reward of it is eventually seeing what you believe. Eventually seeing how God works it out. Eventually seeing how God still moves that the end of the story is not the specific situation that you're in right now. But instead, no, God is in a bigger situation. God is still moving. And as long as we hold to him, 
eventually we see it. And that's why Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He says, cling to me, hold to me, and eventually I am going to make all things new. Hold to me, eventually I will redeem every situation. Cling to me. Put your faith in me, something external from yourself. And he says, and I promise I will not let you down. Test me. See if holding to me doesn't get you through. Because at the end of the day, even in the Old Testament, when we had the pillars of clouds and the fire, when we had God's presence, it still wasn't enough. We still didn't believe. We weren't in control. We're never in control. And yet what we find in Scripture is a God who is in control, who does show up. And even when we don't see him, he's moving. And even when we can't feel him, he's working on our behalf. He says, cling to me. Trust in me. And I will show you the Father. I will show you life and life to the full. You'll experience what real faith is, and eventually you will see it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you unfaithful. Lord, we come before you wanting to be in control of how you act, where you go, when you act. Lord, because we think if it's something inside of us, then we can control it, then we can have security in it. And yet, Father, you are a God who is beyond us, And so we come before you in forgiveness, asking for forgiveness. Lord, for the times where we haven't held to you, the times where we have clung to other securities, whether they be our bank accounts or our families or our houses or our jobs or our looks or a thousand other things that we try to hold to that we think are going to give us that foundation. Yet, Father, Lord, what we find in Scripture, what we find in your story and who Jesus showed himself to be is a God who is worthy of our trust, who will go to any length to have a relationship with us. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.